we started this series just last week. It's called Salt and, um, Salt and Light. And, you know, I just want to, uh, for me, it's been a hard series, actually, to sort of prep for. Um, despite, you know, the last two weeks have been pretty busy, just different things have been happening, but even just the fact of just preparing for it, yet you try and, I mean, for me, I try to think of what, what's something amazing or whatever, God, that you want to uh, teach us, you know, teach me first so then I can share from my heart what, what um, you know, to all of you. And, um, you know, so as I share today, uh, you know, just open Keep your heart open, okay? Just really, um, I don't know. I don't know if uh, what I share you may disagree with. I, I'm, I'm totally not sure. Um, but for where I'm coming from, I'm just coming from the Word of God. Um, you know, it's like being in the messenger, eh? Um, so I just deliver the message. Um, don't beat up the messenger. Don't chase the messenger out um, with rocks. Uh, I'm just here to, to deliver it, and uh, I hope I can deliver it to the best of the ability of, of you know, just my time of just studying and, and, and looking into it and praying and, and fasting and stuff like that, um, the depth of it, and so hopefully, yeah, you know, I just wanted to kick off there, I mean, like I said, I had the, you know, I had the challenge, it was a challenge last week um, of starting this three-week sermon series called Salt and Light. Uh, challenge because just of where we were diving into the part of scripture for this uh, series. And if you aren't familiar, even with these two words, salt and light, um, you know, these two words that are quite significant actually in the Bible, uh, then let me just introduce these words to you very quickly. You know, our three week series entitled Salt and Light, you know, it's in um, reference, right? It's in reference to some words that actually Jesus says. Jesus says in the book, of, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 and 16. And Jesus, he uses the illustrations of salt and light. And, you know, scriptures behind me here, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. And then it says, You are the light of the world. Referring to people, right? So I hope you get that. Verse 16 says, talks about the light. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, both salt and light are things that will always have a huge effect, you know, upon the things around that, you know, that are around them. For example, salt. Salt is used, you know, for a lot of us that know, as to enhance flavor, um, and, you know, you, you put salt on a lot of your food, it just changes the, the flavor, you know, of what you're eating. And, um, you know, a lot of salt, I don't know if it's better the taste, but, you know, it, it enhances the flavor and it also um, it preserves food as well. And so when it refers to people, salt, to, to be salt, it means to deliberately live in a way that impacts the people around you. Showing them what it means to, you know, live a life in a relationship with Jesus. And so you do that through godly character and through your actions. Um, and, you know, as for light, to be light means to be a witness. Be a witness to others, right? Living out the truth of God's word in a dark world. You know, and, and it's done especially 
by demonstrating, like our lives, demonstrating who Christ is and the hope we have through his death and the resurrection, um, you know, through salvation. And I always sort of say this kind of thing, you know, what if you had friends that walked through these doors or people that you know from the outside and they walked through these doors and they saw you and they looked at you and they thought, oh, oh you got a church here, yeah. Would you want them to say, are you Christian? <laughs> you actually go to church? Or would you want them to say, ah, if they never knew that you were Christian, but they'd say, yeah, it makes sense now. Yeah, the things that you do, the things that you're around, when we joke around, you don't joke with us or whatever. You know, do you get what I'm saying? And so, I mean, it's almost a 101 thing for us as Christians, right? To be salt and to be light to a world that needs people like us to influence, you know, with godly character and, and just with our godly, you know, actions. So the series may challenge some of the ways that you and I think, okay? In our Christians, Christian lives right here in New Zealand, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about where you are in your life right now, whether you're from the shore, whether you're from east, west, out here in south, okay? It's, you know, we're going to be challenged by the way we think um, in our Christian lives right now. And so I hope it will, I wanted to, also add, add to your way of how you live for Christ, okay? How you live for Christ where, let's be honest, it's quite interesting right now um, to be Christian here in our nation. You know, you see a lot of things on the news or you see things on social media. You just see a lot of things that are happening in the Christian world. Um, so part of our purpose as Christians, right, in all of this, in your life and where you are at, is how do you be salt and light in this, in this time? So I'd like to take us to the book of Isaiah. Now, the book of Isaiah is where our sermon series is based from, and I'd like to give you just a, I did it last week, let me do it again this week, but a quick introduction, right, to this prophet. He was a prophet and prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah, he lived during the time when the people of Israel, uh, they were actually divided. They were divided into two kingdoms, uh, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And Isaiah was a prophet. Uh, he was a prophet that spoke on behalf of God. And he was a prophet to the king and the leaders from one of these kingdoms, which was the kingdom of Judah. Now, in the kingdom of Judah, right, is the capital city known as Jerusalem. Jerusalem, it's the holy city, it's the home of the temple, the place where, you know, all the Israelites from all over the world would go to offer their ritual sacrifices on a yearly basis. And they would go to the temple to do this. Now, God at this time had given Isaiah a vision. And this vision that was revealed that the Israelites in Jerusalem were not all that they had seemed to be. Yes, they were God's chosen people and, you know, all the neighboring uh, nations living around them, they viewed the kingdom of Judah, the, the capital city in, you know, Jerusalem, as a powerful nation because of the God they served, which was Yahweh. But the thing is, they were not living the way that God, Yahweh, you know, they, they were not living the way that God's people were called to live. They were just 
pretty much pretending, pretending to do the right thing, but their hearts were, were far away from God and their lives were just full of sin and idolatry. And, and God, man, God is not fooled. And the whole book is based on Isaiah receiving this vision from Yahweh. And this vision was important because it was a warning from God to the Israelites, you know, the kingdom in the kingdom of Judah to turn from their corrupt lifestyle. And Isaiah's job was to warn the Israelites that their rebellion against their covenant with God would come at a cost. So let me start by reading some of the words Isaiah speaks on behalf of God, okay, uh, to the people of Israel. And it's found in the book of Isaiah chapter 3. And it's verses 1 to 3. Now, I tell you, I, when I try to do the whole, chap, the whole chapter 3, I didn't even get there. I pretty much just stayed on this, and then just God just challenged me through these verses. And so let me read them to you. And um, this is, once again, Isaiah talking to the people on behalf of God, okay? And he goes, See now, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, is about to take from Jerusalem, the capital city, and the kingdom of Judah, both supply and support, meaning all supplies of food and all supplies of water. The Lord Almighty is about to take from Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah, the hero and the warrior, the judge and the prophet, the um, diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the men of rank, the counselors, skilled craftsmen, a skillful musician, um, magicians, sorry, musicians. And... and the thing is, pretty much, it's just everybody is what it's trying to say. Now, the people of Israel, God's people, now, during this time of history, they were living, let's say, they were living just apart, away from God's covenant that was promised to them, you know, right back from some of the stories you may know, from, from the life of Noah, from Abraham, uh, from Moses, all the way to King David, and there was... You know, there, there were laws from God that they needed to live by. And the whole reason for these laws from God was for Israel to actually be witnesses to the nations around them and to proclaim that Israel was set apart from everyone else. They were called out to be different from the rest of the surrounding nations. You see... Every other nation around them, the one thing, they worshipped more than just one God, all these other nations. There was not one nation that was, they, they just worshipped multiple gods. And they, you know, they built statues and idols and they made sacrifices to all these different gods. But not Israel. It wasn't, they didn't do that. They had one God, Yahweh. They were to depend only on this one God and to follow Yahweh and his ways, which, you know, should bring blessing upon their nation. However, by the time where, you know, we read these verses behind me, God's judgment on the kingdom of Judah was that, you know, they were actually going to be stripped of everything that they had and owned. All supplies of food and all supplies of water that those verses say. 
is that's what scripture says in everything that they valued they were going to lose and so this was Isaiah telling them of what was to come now also God was man God was even taking away their very godly you know competent leaders on every level and what were these godly competent leaders replaced by well look at verse 4 here and it says this that I will make mere youths their officials, meaning children will rule over you. Think about it. And it was not until after Isaiah's you know, lifetime, after he passed and gone with the Lord, to be with the Lord, that all of this had come to fruition. Majority of the kings, you know, the, the kings after Isaiah's lifetime they were actually all evil kings, majority in, in the, you know, the kingdom of Judah. And not only that, they were young. They were young and they were leading the kingdom of Judah. King Manasseh, he, was, he became king when he was 12. Uh, king Josiah, I think he was probably one of the only good kings at that time. He was aged eight when he became king. Jehoahaz, uh, he was age 23. Uh, Jehoashim, he was age 17. Zedekiah, he was age 21 when they all became kings of this nation. And get this. Then after these, because they were the final kings of the kingdom of Judah, after these final kings who led the kingdom of Judah, we read in history exactly what Isaiah prophesied which is now found in the book of Kings, and I'll just read it to you. And it says this in Second Kings, that as the Lord had foretold, the king of Babylon carried away all Jerusalem and all the officials and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and all the smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land. Man, this, this was a sad time in history for the people of Israel. It was something foretold by Isaiah that happened years later. Hear me here. Now, when I think about our lives today, you know, I feel like we can relate to this life example of what the people of Israel went through back then. As followers of Jesus and our Christian beliefs, Okay, in this very room, let's be honest. I think we are living in such an interesting time because personally, I'm, I'm finding there is like a, a breakdown of Christian order, Christian structure, um, you know, based off our Christian upbringing. So there is a breakdown of, of Christian order in our nation. And I think there are a lot of reasons for this. And, and rather than for me to get political about it, okay, because I'm not a politician, I'm not good at it, um, you know, but the bottom line of the breakdown of this godly order that happened back then and, and I feel is, is the same today, it comes to this. Okay, hear me. It is the lack of our full dependence on Jesus as Lord over all. Simple. And that means 
in a Christian point of view, okay? Because not everyone believes in a Christian point of view out there, it is no longer trusting that Jesus is Lord of New Zealand. And people here in New Zealand are, are, are not comfortable with, and this is, I quote this, that they're not comfortable, that they are not comfortable with, this is a quote, that the son, which is Jesus, the son of a deity, which is God, Yahweh, that the son of a deity they do not accept. You know, a current example I can think of is the petition to remove religion from the parliamentary prayer. And possibly, maybe in the future as well, that they may remove, uh, remove Christian, the Christian God from the New Zealand national anthem. So let's talk. Let me read you the prayer. This was the prayer in the parliament you know, that, that has opened the house for more than 50 years. Okay, this is it. Almighty God, humbly acknowledging our need for thy guidance in all things, laying aside all private and personal interests, we beseech thee to grant that we may conduct the affairs of this house and of our country to the glory of thy holy name, the maintenance of true religion and justice, the honor of the queen and the public welfare, peace and tranquility of New Zealand through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The current prayer is this. Almighty God, we thank, we give thanks for the blessings which have been bestowed on us, laying aside all personal interests. We acknowledge the Queen and pray for guidance in our deliberations that we may conduct the affairs of this house with wisdom, justice, mercy, humility for the welfare and peace of New Zealand. Amen. Multiple gods, not just one. And by seeing the Christian world slowly changing around us, this is the reason why it is an interesting time to be a Christian. It's also quite challenging, let's be honest, to be a Christian because over half of New Zealand are not comfortable with the son of a deity they do not accept. There is no longer a full dependence on Yahweh, the God of the Bible. I mean, I think 30, maybe, maybe 30, 40 years ago, when I remember when I was young, everything was God. <laughs> I mean, everything was based around Jesus. You know, you went to church. It's not like, I don't think, it was very rare to see no one go to church. <laughs> All cultures, they just went to church. Very different today. And this is the simple message that I want to leave with you today. Reading just a snippet, right, of what Isaiah was saying that would happen to the people of Israel and, and how they would lose everything. And the people who suffered, who were they? It wasn't the people that he was talking to right then and there. The people that suffered was the next generation and the generation that came after them. All of Israel's suffering came later, long after Isaiah had died. Now my, 
my takeaway from this message is this. Okay, hear me here. You and I, we must seriously begin to learn, okay? We need to seriously begin to learn how to have full dependence on God. And why is that, you may ask? Thank you for asking. The reason is so that God will be able here, God will be able to bring order to our nation by using the next generation to rise up for him. All because those of us today, sitting in here, will choose to follow and have full dependence on God once again. Now, I don't know how you, you need to go away and pray how that's done. Some people may go and walk on those corners and, you know, and preach with a speaker and a microphone. Some of you may build relationally with people. I just don't know what you're, what you're going to do. There's so many ways, and, and so you need to seek wisdom and pray for how, it's, how to do that. You know, is it beneficial to the way that you feel to go out there and reach and go out there and, and, and speak to people, to go out there and, and stand up for Christ? Yeah. If you really want to stand up for Christ, let's go to these underground churches overseas. Let's think about those people getting literally physically beaten or physically killed. We're just getting either sworn at or laughed at. So I don't know. I need you to go away and pray about how that looks. Look, last, I think it was last week. Some of you might remember one of the world champs in the UFC division. Um, a New Zealand-based uh, young gentleman. I think he's like 30, around 30, 31. You know, and, and he won his, uh, his fight last week. And it was funny. I mean, it was a good fight. Um, you know, he was sort of laughing his way through. Um, his fight. He, he knew he just had it in the pocket, right? But he had his interview uh, after his win, right? And he would, I mean, he's, he's considered as one of the, I think he's right now, he's considered as one of the most famous person here in New Zealand, you know, uh, right now because of the sport of UFC, and it's a sport watched all over the world. Now, during his interview, he talks a little bit about politics here in New Zealand. You know, he's, he's not too intense, though, because, you know, he, he's just sharing what's on his heart. But there was something that he said that actually caught my attention, and it caught my attention, and it made me think. And, you know, let me quote what he said. But before I do, he mentions about the old generation of politicians, and their lack of just sorting out a few issues that are currently happening here in New Zealand. And within his interview, this is, you know, out of the whole interview, this is the one snippet of his interview that caught my interest. And this is what he said. Okay, he goes, oh, you know, we still have these old heads, meaning these, you know, meaning the old generation politicians that he's referring to. So we still have these old heads. You know what? They will die off eventually, and the young people will take over. The young people will be the ones to change the world. 
And we sit here and we say, that's true. But I don't, I don't know if this guy's a follower of Jesus, <laughs> but he gets it. He gets about the next generation. And even if you t- hear about his, you know, what he's wanting to see in the future, is he's wanting to inspire the next generation of what he's doing. You know, I heard these words that he said, and I realized, man, there's some truth in what he said. So here I am, as an old head, an old head standing up here today. You know, and I know that one day I will eventually pass. I will eventually die, just like you guys. I mean, I'm not trying to put that on you, right? Okay, just <laughs> but. You know, I know that one day we will eventually die off, like he said. But before that even happens, would you join me to earnestly seek God to give us the wisdom on how to fully become dependent on him once again? Knowing that when God, you know, God guides us old heads, in his way, I believe it will be a doorway for him to use the next generation who will become fully dependent on him because of our choices to follow him today. See, a lot of us will just think, oh, you know, I want to just live my life. You know, probably a lot of us in here may not even think about the next generation. Yet our church just push it all the time. <laughs> I remember when I was first came to Every Nation, and I think the first couple of years, I just didn't have a grasp of the next generation. I didn't have a grasp about, you know, really wanting to go out and reach and, you know, bring people to, and, you know, guide them to, to have a relationship with Jesus. I, I didn't really have that. And I remember being challenged from it, and I said, oh, how do I get there? And they just said, man, just pray. And I remember just praying, and then I woke up one day, and literally, it was like a miracle. It's like, man, I have a heart for the lost. Man, I, I really do. I have a heart for the next generation. I know what I'm called to do. And so maybe that's some of you today that need to pray, because we don't want to be like the example that we see in Israel when God just stripped them away from everything because over time they just got comfortable as followers of God. And in that time they became complacent. They, they became dependent on themselves rather than dependent fully on God. Did you know Jerusalem? This is a little side note as I finish. Jerusalem, where it is in the map, it's in the most... The, the, it's, not, it's in an area where it's a lot, of, a lot of dry land. There's hardly any water. There's actually no, they're not near any kind of streams and things like that. You know, obviously they've had to dig through underground to find water and things. But it literally, you know, historians say that if they were closed off to the world, that nation, Jerusalem, the holy city, would fall apart because... There was literally no life form in that area to bring life and, you know, um, and food. Everything came from outside. Isn't it funny? 
God will place the holy city in a, such a remote area to teach Israel who their full dependence is on. And then as soon as they started losing their dependence, other nations started to come in and wipe them out completely, take them into slavery, take them into those, you know, into those kind of situations. Do we want to be like that? I don't want to set up, you know, that kind of example for the next generation. You know, and I hope that you're the same. No matter how old you are, I think when you get older, right, you have children, you start to realize about next generation. But remember when we were all young and none of us had children, like some of our, you know, the people in here? It wasn't really that much of an important thing. So I get that, and that's why I was sharing with you back then. I didn't have a heart for the lost, didn't have a heart for the next generation. But I want to pray for that. I want to pray for that if that's you. Um, it's, I know it's not rocket science, but I just want to pray for a miracle just to fall on you, that you will wake up knowing that it's about Jesus, it's about the next generation, it's about sharing the gospel. But you need the wisdom of how to share the gospel. There are so many ways of how you can share the gospel, as long as it's the right way. But there's so many ways of how you spread the gospel of Jesus. And I know there's so many of us in here that have different styles, and I want you to pray to God about, Lord, what does that look like for me? Let me finish by sharing these last few verses where Isaiah, after all the hard and honest words, that he gave in actually the whole of chapter 3, but I only used like three or four verses in that whole chapter. And, you know, on how they would suffer and lose everything. Yet Isaiah then speak, he speaks some words of hope. Words of hope to the people of Judah and what the future holds for them outside of what he had prophesied. In his vision. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. On that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of the survivors in Israel. The branch of the Lord, referred to here in this verse is none other than Jesus. The ideas behind these words, the branch of the Lord, are those of fruitfulness and life. And Jesus used, man, he used the same, you know, image when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And so, once again, in order for the full dependence on God to bear fruit, which is the fruit that we want to bear is the next generation rising up for God. And you and I must first be connected to the branch, which is Jesus our Lord. Let me pray.